say, well, what I want to do tonight is just do an introduction to really Lagos. So it'll be split into two halves. I want to remind you, we're coming back from the summer months, and I just want to remind you a little bit about what Lagos is about. Typically, when we gather together in Lagos, I want to say there's been just great encouragement and great fruit. What's really sweet as the pastor is to see years later people using what they've learned and what the Lord has poured into them uh, in their home lives, their marriages, their relationships, you know, and these things come up of what you've learned, whether it's, you know, Philippians, Ephesians, 1 Timothy, Titus, each of those different areas, and for people knowing whole books of the Bible, not to get puffed up, but just to see the big picture, right, as opposed to the bits and pieces here and there. And that's really sweet. And so what I want to do for the first half is just to remind you what Lagos is about, to see where it goes. Because typically what happens is we start with great enthusiasm. We do well. Christmas is fine. January, then March, April, May, we sort of run out of steam. And I'll talk about that a little bit this evening. And then summer months, people are gassed out a little bit. And some people do well and some sheep wander. Okay, that's who we are. That's how we're framed. And I just want to get back to focus on why we do what we do so that we don't have a cultural Christianity where we're just punching the clock and showing up because this is why we do what we do, right? And so the second half, I want to look at, okay, how did Jesus handle the Word of God? How did he view the Word of God? If we are indeed believers, if we're Christians, if we're followers of Christ, it would make sense that we would think about Scripture and handle Scripture and interpret Scripture the same way He did, okay? If He's our Lord and Savior. And hopefully that'll be a segue uh, with which we can sort of lay the foundation for Lagos for this coming year. So could I have my first slide, please? And I have to apologize to you. I, I know the fonts are small. Can you read that? Some of you are young and have exceptional eyes, okay? But... What is Lagos? Where does it fit in? Where do we come up with this? And Lagos is in the church after Sunday. It's the primary shepherding in the word for our church. Okay, and it comes from John chapter 1, verse 1, where John, you know, the apostle, the beloved of Jesus, writes, in the beginning was the word. Okay, and at the heart of it, why do we make so much about the ministry of the word and prayer at this church? All right, we are a church which is, as I've said before, we're kind of no frills. We don't have a whole lot as far as whistles and bells go on. And by intent, we focus to make this church first and foremost about the ministry of the word and prayer. Not that the other things that we do are not good and great and wonderful, as I said, go out and play basketball five nights a week and volleyball if you can. But those aren't substitutes. Our lives are built on the Word of God because Christ's Word gives us life. He is the living Word of God. Okay, And I want to walk through a few things in Scripture. You may have to look them up in your Bible because the font's a little bit small. But John 1.12, John writes, But as many as received Him... To them he gave the right to become children of God. Okay? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a child of God? It's more than just showing up to church on Sunday. It's more than even just reading your Bible. At the end of the day, the Word of God is there to help you receive Christ for who he truly is. It's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? 
Acts 4.12, the first portion. And there is salvation in no one else. So we appreciate and understand that our salvation from sin, our relationship with God is really at stake. So we're not just studying the Bible for the sake of studying the Bible. We don't want to become Pharisees and Sadducees at the end of the day. You know, why do we go to seminary even? All right, just remember Joseph Stalin went to seminary and a number of other great people who ended up killing lots of people went to seminary. At the end of the day, it's about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then we go on to Paul in Philippians 3.8. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything is considered to be as loss. Okay? It doesn't mean that food is not good. It doesn't mean that friends and sports are not good. It doesn't mean we don't gather together to watch a basketball game. But we understand At the end of the day, it's all going to burn and it's all going to be left behind. And that includes our jobs, our 401k plans, our college degrees. I think recently my mother found one of my old medical school graduation, what she thought was a diploma. Brought it up and said, hey, you know, you left this. You don't want to let this go. But it's meaningless to me now. Honestly. You know, and what's going to happen if there's a fire? It's all going to burn at the end of the day. It's absolutely meaningless. In comparison to the beauty and joy and wonder of knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And hopefully if you're here you've tasted that. You've experienced it and you've seen it. And for the Apostle Paul who had had it all, right? He had it all. He had wealth. He had family. He had prestige. He had the best education. He was juiced in both in the religious level. He had it both ways. Which is how we try and play it in Silicon Valley. We want it both ways. We want the career. We want the home. We want the wife. We want the family. We want the car. We want the Tesla. We want it all. And we want to be elders and we want to be leaders and we want to know the Bible. We want, we want it both ways. And the Apostle Paul comes and says, look, I count all those things as absolute loss in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what gave him incredible joy, incredible passion, incredible life, even when he's locked up in prison, even as you read Second Timothy. And he tells Timothy, what does he tell Timothy? He knows he's about to get his head cut off by Nero and everybody's left. Even ministry has abandoned him. You know, many of us come to church And you can come to church for the blessings that are here. We can come to church for community. We can come to church to provide a family for us that we didn't have in our own homes. And it's not wrong to have church as family. It's meant to be a community. But it's a community that's built on what? It's not built on you or I. It's built on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you take Jesus Christ out of that. Okay, and then we're the Rotary Club bunch of old geezers who gather together, right, to do good works in the community and feel better about themselves. I hope I'm not offending anybody who's a member of the Rotary Club. But the sweetness, the goodness, the greatness, brothers and sisters, is about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what Logos is all about. And I don't want you to lose sight of that. And I want you to stir up that same passion that you read about in Second Timothy. To stir up and fan into flame the gift that God has given you. He's given you the gospel. The good news of what God has done to save sinners like you and I through the life and death 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is a most precious gift. And I want you to fan into flame as we get ready for the fall. Summer's gone. Okay, we're back together to keep our eyes focused that this is why we gather and this is why we study God's Word. Why do we do that? At the end of the day, we cannot grow in Christ and we can't know Him without His Spirit and His Word. Okay? It's a bottom line. You need both. His Spirit and His Word. But we're not going to grow in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unless we know His Word through the power of His Spirit. And that comes with a cost. And that cost already you are here and you've given up your Wednesday evening to be here. But what we're going to call upon you to do as we go forward with Logos, Logos is meant about rightly hearing the Word of God. Okay, and that's going to come with a cost. Can I have my next slide, please? Where does Lagos fit in? Now, if you were at the members meeting, you saw this, but I'm putting this up to remind you, okay? Lagos is not a substitute for your home devotional time. Lagos is not a substitute for ministering to other people, but I want you to see where it is. For our church, the way we've thought through this, our, our conviction where I believe the Lord has led us, if you remember our church where we started, we started with affinity groups. And there's nothing wrong with affinity groups, okay? But where the Lord took us, there was a point where there was a need as a church to be together, to come under learning the Word of God together, okay? When I started dating Julie, we were at two separate TMS churches, and I thought, hey, we go to churches where the pastors have gone to the same seminary, same doctrine, same all of those sorts of things. And during that season while we were dating, there were any number of misunderstandings, okay, disagreements, having a hard time seeing eye to eye, making decisions, wedding plannings, coming up, all of those different things. And I spoke to a fellow who I uh, shepherded a Bible study with at Grace Community Church. And he said to me, he said, Mark, I was, I said, hold me accountable, shepherd me, help me understand, right? It was a brother who we were part of a small group together. And he said to me very simply, he said, Mark, I think a lot of the things that you're pushing up against would be settled if you and Julie were able to worship in the same church together. For both of you to hear the same word on Sunday, for both of you to come under and have the same conviction of the Holy Spirit, and for you to walk together, he said, I think that would go a long way as opposed to the two of you being in two separate places Okay, not that they're not great guys, not that they're not great, great people, not that you're not hearing good pieces of the word. But I make this because many of us feel like we're doing great if we're reading our Bible on our own and we're also listening to sermons on our own and we feel great. I've listened, I've heard guys come out and say, I've heard three sermons this week or four sermons this week. And yet, still get into sin, Right? Still be prideful, still have conflict. And the way the Lord has designed his church, right? And Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And he speaks to Peter about that. The design that Jesus made before he died and after he rose again was for his bride, you who are precious in his sight, you who he loves, the children of God, to be taken care of in a local church where people gather together as a family around the Lord's table and under his word, right? 
There's a unique blessing that was designed by God in the way he designed to take care and shepherd his people before the foundation of time he set it up this way. And Christ died for that so that his people could come together and walk together and be shepherded together as a family under the word. And so I'm not against you listening to sermons and I'm not against you being blessed in that way and reading books and having great resources. But if we're going to receive and enjoy God's best and what he's designed for you, it's a little bit like my boys. And they're getting older now and there's going to come a time where they won't be home at dinner because they've got 20 zillion things to do with school. But we cherish those times and we make that point that dinner is a time to gather together, not just to eat food. It's about fellowship and coming together under the Lord's oversight to be shepherded together as a family. We make that point right? And that's a blessing right now for my family, and I pray that we continue to have it years from now, that at least there's one or two meals a week where we're able to gather together and be as a family together, right? And if our kids are never around and they're out, as I always say, they might be well-fed, but if they're spending every night of the week at someone else's place, we ask ourselves, okay, are we still a family? Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me on that? And so how we have it is Christ is our rock. He's our foundation. Sunday mornings are a gospel proclamation where we come together as a family and we come together to hear the proclamation of God's word. And we gather together and it has power through the power of the spirit in our lives to do a work in our hearts and lives together. And we track with that. Okay, And even when I am gone, and I'm traveling, and Ted preaches or Kevin preaches, my kids will tell you we put on the sermon while we're driving back to San Jose so that we can hear together and be connected and so that we're not separated from you out of love for the Lord and out of love for you because we want to be walking along with you every step of the way with whatever you're dealing with and whatever challenges you're facing. And then Logos is our midweek Bible study where we come together to learn how to rightly hear God's word. Are we listening to it? Are we coming under it? And are we hearing what the Lord has to say to our church? And have that blessing of walking through a book of the Bible together or a doctrine together. And then after that, okay, no less, we talk about Cornerstone. And Cornerstone is just getting up and starting to run. But still the focus on Cornerstone is how do we rightly apply and live the word of God that we're learning that we're hearing Sunday morning, that we're learning on midweek Bible study, how are we applying that in our relationships with our roommates, with our families, with our parents, okay, with our in-laws, all of those different relationships, our workers, how are we taking what we hear? Are we living it out and are we applying it or are we just having big heads? And then hopefully at the end too, on that cap, the top is, is this harvest and hospitality where we would be sharing what we've learned. And we learn through obedience to Christ, brothers and sisters. If you hear and you don't obey, you're not learning. That's called a hard heart. So we want to be able to go and share that with people who are visiting our church, to go out in the college campuses, to be involved in church plant or missions or outreach, that we're taking what Christ has given us and what we've learned, and we're sharing it with others. Because why has Christ left us here? He hasn't come back because there are people who he still loves and his heart breaks for and he's calling to repentance and faith in him 
And he's going to use each one of you, if you're willing to let him rule your life, to come and take that good news and for you to bring Christ to people who so desperately need him. Okay? So it's not perfect, brothers and sisters. We've just begun this as a church. And we know it's Christ who holds it together. And we know that there are improvements that are needed. But what we're looking for here is what we studied last year in Lagos. Last year we studied what? You guys remember? The book of Titus. Oh, it wasn't in vain. Okay? And, and Titus is the gospel. Do you guys remember what the tagline or the summation of Titus was? I do this to warm your brains up so you don't forget what you learned. Titus was what? You can shout it out. You don't have to be Asian and shy. Yeah, how the gospel orders, okay, the church in the midst of a chaotic world, right? In a world filled with sin where everything's falling apart and you feel like your home life and your marriage and your work is pulling you in 20 different directions. And I know we still feel that way. The sweetness of God's good news is, God puts things back together. He's reversing the curse. He's taking everything that fell apart in the garden and he's putting it back together in your life. It doesn't happen overnight. But he does. And that call for Titus to order the church around the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, And so that's what we're trying to do at our church. And that's what that illustration shows. Okay, And that's what Logos is a part of. So can I have my next slide please? Thanks. Our aim, brothers and sisters, for all of this, very simple. We want you to grow in Christ. We want you to grow in your knowledge of who he is. We want at the end of every week for you to know Jesus better than you did before. And we want you to grow in maturity. Him we proclaim, presenting everyone mature in Christ. That's our goal, that you would grow. Not just that you would hear and learn details about the Bible, that you would be growing in Christ, and that we would grow in Christ together. That's what Logos is for. And so the design of Logos, to the extent that we can, is modeled really after Jesus and his 12 disciples. That's, you know, there's nothing innovative. There's nothing, no new vision here. We look at how did Jesus shepherd He took 12 disciples. There were many who came. There were many who heard him preach. But he took 12 disciples. He taught them. He brought them with him. He ministered to others. Cared for others while they were walking with him. And then he asked them to do things. You go feed 5,000 people. How are we going to do this? And then he, when they were ready, he sent them out. And of those he sent out, one betrayed him. Okay? And that's Jesus, the best discipler that there was, right? And we say Jesus didn't do that by accident. He was showing us an example of how he personally shepherds his sheep. And when you look at the apostles and Acts, how did they shepherd? How did they love? They said, we're going to keep the ministry of the word first and foremost, Acts 6. Okay, and we're going to proclaim the word, proclaim the gospel. We're going to teach them what we have witnessed about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to call people to be saved and we're going to shepherd hearts. So the elders, okay, are accountable to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where there's a plurality of godly men. The calling of the elders, you can go home and read it, okay? Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. They're God's gift to the local church and their calling 
is to speak the truth in love into your lives, and that includes correction and rebuke, as well as exhortation. For what purpose? To equip you for the work of ministry. Okay? The idea is that we're coming alongside and we're pouring into you, not ourselves, our leadership patterns, what works well for Mark Chin and his family. We're pouring into you our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we do that through his word and through prayer. And we shepherd, okay? And we do that ultimately so that you're equipped to love others in the same way Christ has loved you. And so what we've done is we've divided up discipleship group leaders who represent the elders and stand for Christ and stand for the church. Now those lists of name have come from men who have faithfully served and women who have faithfully served, but they also come from folks who you've listed on the list when we put out that list of, okay, who do you see? as far as shepherds and leaders in the church. And you're divided up. Hopefully this weekend we'll have the names of those, and hopefully for most of you, you'll get your first or second choice as best we can. But what I do want to exhort you to do, okay, is this is not someone who is there to facilitate for you a community. Okay, we heard this at Shepherds Conference when the men went several years ago, where the point was made, and I believe it was by Dr. MacArthur, where he said, Look, pastors are not event planners. You know, you're not at this church to fill up the pulpit with different people and set up activities and and set the schedule for the board of members meetings and set the schedule for when retreat happens and basically to provide camp for your church. Your discipleship group leaders are there to speak the truth and love into your life to get to know you, to walk with you, but to be your shepherds. That means you come under their oversight. Now, we're not a cult. You're not bound to do any of this. You don't have to. It's completely voluntary. Okay? And you're not asked to follow them if they're not following Christ. But you are to follow your leaders, and you are to imitate their example, and you are to cherish and look and pursue the wisdom that they have to offer you from God's word and from Christ, okay, not just as an instructor of information, but someone who Christ has put in your life to speak the truth and love into your life so that you can grow into his image. Are they perfect? No. Am I perfect? No, absolutely not. The difference is when we're walking in the spirit, it's Christ who uses broken vessels, And when men fail, they ask for your forgiveness and there's reconciliation and it's Christ who holds everything together. So I want you very much, whoever your discipleship group leader is, to come in with a heart that's ready and you need to ask yourself, am I ready to be shepherded by this person? Am I ready to come to this person with my sorrows and my hurts? But am I also willing to come with the areas that I need help in or I need correction or I need accountability in to come in and hear and receive what they have to to say and to come under the word, okay? Ultimately to come under Christ. That's what it's designed for, okay? And I think if you talk to the folks at the church that those who have done that, they've flourished, they've grown, and their lives have become sweeter through that, okay? So that's the idea. That's kind of where we're going. All right, with this. Can I have my next slide, please? Thank you. How does this look, okay? 
Your time in Lagos is not a substitute for your time with Christ in the word and prayer. Okay? The way as we go through is that you are spending time with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on a daily basis in the word and in prayer. If you're married, you're spending time alone with Christ and alone with your spouse or alone with your children to shepherd them. The church is not a substitute for your marriage or your shepherding in the home or with your children. We're equipping you to shepherd your wife. We're equipping you to shepherd your children. We're, we're not setting up programs for you, for your kids to come in and get saved. We're not setting up a program, collegians, for you to bring your friends here. I want you to bring your friends. I want you to reach out on campus. It's different, okay? We want every ministry to come out of your relationship with Christ and the ministry of the word and prayer. And so how we view this, which is different, and I know it's a mind bend because it's not how American churches are set up. American churches, by and large, have gotten to the point where we set things up as far as programs to bring people in and to build a community built around a program. What we're trying to do is we're saying the gospel is worth so much more than a program. The beauty of the gospel is the way it transforms your life. That is what needs to be on display. That's why Christ in the Sermon on the Mount says, you are a city on the hill. You are the light of the world. You're the salt. If the salt loses savor, what happens? It's, it's worth nothing at that point. The idea is it, it's you. And so our goal here is to equip you to be what Christ has created you to be. And we don't do it. The Spirit does it through His Word. Okay, And so the idea here is we're equipping you in Lagos and putting the skills at your disposal so every day you can get up and spend a sweet time with Christ in the word and in prayer, right? In your heart. And moving on from that, okay? It's so that you get that opportunity to come together with a group of people in corporate worship together to come under God's word and the ministry of the word and prayer together. And having your hearts filled with the word of God and being equipped and matured that you're able to serve, share, and celebrate everything that Christ has given you with others. That's what we call ministry, right? That it's not ministry driving your participation in the church. It's Christ who's driving your ministry. It's the other way around. And so where this Logos fits in, it's a little different. In the past, we've done books of the Bible. We're going to go through Fundamentals of the Faith together. Fundamentals of the Faith was developed at Grace Community Church to be a foundation for the fundamental doctrines of our salvation. Okay? In years past and in centuries past, these are things that people knew and were raised with and had memorized and were foundational. In our era, we're kind of catching up on those things. And the idea is we're providing you with an overview from Genesis to Revelation of the foundational doctrines of the gospel so that as you read the Bible, you have a context to put all of these things that you're learning. And it's to accelerate and help and enhance and give you a foundation so that your time in the Word is a beholding of Christ, is a richness that you have when you gaze upon the face of Christ through His Word because you're standing on a doctrinal foundation. Okay? Um, Sinclair Ferguson made the point. He made the point that in today's age, seminary guys will graduate... Maybe I shouldn't hold him to this. But he'll talk about 
men who have had training who will listen to a sermon and they will get less out of that sermon than perhaps 11 or 12 year old boys did during the time of the Puritans. And there's probably two reasons for that. One of them is the foundation in the doctrine that they had because they learned to read. All their education came because there was only one book that they had available to them and they would read the Bible. That's how they learned. Even in poor illiterate homes or homes where there wasn't a whole lot, grandparents would get their kids to read to them the scripture. So they learned through the Bible and they learned literacy from Genesis through Revelation. Okay? They were also persecuted. So they had family members who were getting thrown into jail like John Bunyan or whoever for the sake of the gospel. So they learned two ways. They learned through biblical literacy at an early age, but they learned because they saw people living out their faith and paying a price to follow Christ. And from that, okay, there was a foundation that was there. So this is only part of the story, brothers and sisters. As you see from this, the expectation is that you take what you have and you hear it and you obey it and you live it. Part of that process with fundamentals of the faith, this is this book here, okay, is there's a chapter. We expect a chapter a month, okay? It's up to you how you want to do that. But within each chapter, there is a scripture passage at the beginning, okay? And there's a curriculum that is going to come out. And with that uh, scripture passage, you're going to have an opportunity to study that passage do a little study and a worksheet on that passage, and then go through the chapter in the FOF book. And that's what we'll be gathering together to go through together. Can I have my next slide, please? Okay. We're starting at the top, okay? So FOF, the first chapter, is an introduction to the Bible. And if you look in your books at the very beginning, there's a scripture passage and an audio sermon that's referenced with a link to the Grace Community Church website. And it'll say introduction of the Bible. The first one for the introduction is memorize 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Okay? And they go through the assignment. I'm going to ask you the way it's set up is that you start by listening to the sermon by Dr. MacArthur. That'll take 50 minutes of your time that you go through the book, the chapter, okay? Honestly, it should probably take you no more than 30 or 45 minutes, an hour max, okay? It, it's, not, it's not hard. It is going to be a sacrifice. It's going to be a discipline. And what we're trying to teach you are spiritual disciplines for your Christian life. Okay, the same way we teach our kids that they have to do their homework so that they can get a college education and so that they can work. Okay, give your first fruits to the Lord. Right, he gave you a mind for a reason. And so we're going to ask you to go through that. That'll take probably an hour of your time, an hour for the sermon. Okay, after that, because that's going to lay the foundation, the first one walks through an overview of the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Then to go to a curriculum that we have that JC and Tim Song put together where they've got a passage for you that's based on the memory verse. So from 2 Timothy 3.16 for the first time it's going to be 2 Timothy 3.14-17. through 17. Three or four verses around that memory verse or key verse. And we're going to ask you to do what we call an exegesis sheet just to go through and answer some questions about that passage. And at the end of it, what we're going to ask is, okay, well, what was the point of this passage? 
We want you to focus on that. All right? And that is the focus of what we'll discuss when we get together. When we gather together as a group, we're going to pray through those passages. We're going to share what God's teaching us through that passage. And there will be a teaching, okay, once a month that someone will come up and speak afterwards and tie it all together, hopefully, for that half hour. We're not going to cover everything in the chapter in the times that we're together. That is for you. That's meant to lay the foundation so that when you come to study the Word of God, you get more out of it. Okay? And then ultimately, as we gather together, hopefully there's this accountability time where we share what we've learned, but even more so, we share what the Lord has been teaching you. Now, there's always a spectrum. Life comes up. Things get busy, okay? And some of you will do it and some of you won't. It's going to require homework, okay? But that's for you, okay? Because at the end of the day, if you don't know God's word, you're going to struggle to appreciate and understand who Jesus is. And you're going to have a hard time loving one another as Christ has loved us. Does that make sense? And so it's designed to walk you through step by step, and we need help with that. And even within the large groups, we can break up into small groups to have accountability groups of people who you can gather together with and go through the homework together. But I think you'll find, as you walk through it, that it's actually a sweetness and a joy. Can I have my next slide, please? Okay, why do we do this? This is the last portion I'll try and tie up in the next 10 minutes. It's because the way Jesus loves you is through his word. That's it. Plain and simple. Okay? All of this is set up. What we're trying to do is we're trying to provide a a trellis or a framework for all of you. Whether you're a new believer, whether you're a visitor, or whether you're a veteran or a pro. Okay? is to provide a framework or a set of railroad tracks by which we together can learn about Jesus together. Now, when I did FOF, I did it at the age of 32 or 33. I had already been a deacon at a church. I was already asked to be an elder at a church. I went to Grace Community Church, okay, and started all over again. And I went there and they said, hey, we're teaching this. And I said, hey, why not? And I went there and it took probably 20 weeks at the age of 33 years old, to start all over and go through it. And I, will, and I was there with people who weren't believers. And I will tell you, as much as I knew about the Bible and had read systematic theology textbooks, it was a sweetness and a joy to go through. Why? Because it was about Jesus at the end of the day. So I want to walk through with you some verses tonight about Jesus and how Scripture and the learning of Scripture was a priority for Him. And the first one is Matthew 4.4. 4. It says, but he, and that's Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you recall when Jesus said this? Who did he say this to? You can say it out loud, you don't have to whisper. Satan, he said it to the devil, okay? He's being tested in the wilderness, He's hungry. He has not eaten. Forty days, Satan comes and tempts him to use his power as the Son of God to transform stones into bread and mocks him. All right? And Jesus makes this point that there's something more important than bread, than your paycheck, 
than your job, than your 401k plan, than your mortgage. It's the word of the Lord. And that was the case for the Son of God. And if you notice what he says, he talks about every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And with this, Jesus shows us the inspiration of Scripture, that the written word of God comes from the very mouth of God through the prophets who wrote it down, through their personalities, their styles, their characteristics unchanged, that God provided the written word of God. He points out, by example, that Scripture is the ultimate authority. Not Scripture in the church, not Scripture in Pastor Mark, not Scripture in tradition, not Scripture in your experience. Well, in my experience, okay, that's your experience, but your experience is not more important Well, I really feel, well, your feelings, not to negate them, but they're not more important than God's word. Your feelings are going to deceive you. Your friends are going to deceive you. They don't intend to. Okay, the input from your parents, it might not be spot on. But God's word you can trust. Why? Because it's God's word. Inspired, authoritative, necessary. Jesus is making this point. More more necessary than food and water is your relationship with the Lord. It's the Word of God. Let me just ask you, with your devotional time and your time in prayer, in comparison to your studies, in comparison to your work, in comparison to everything that you have to do that you feel stressed about getting done, and I'm there with you, do you think of and do you handle Christ's Word as more necessary and more important and a greater priority in your life than those things? Are you willing to say some of these things will have to wait because if I haven't eaten today, I'm going to starve when it comes to the word of the Lord. Okay? The Lord loves you so much. He's given you his word in written form and he's left it to you so that every battle that you face, you have his authority. You have his sufficiency. You have his strength and you have his inspiration. His power at your disposal. And when we talk about sufficient, does it mean that the Bible writes out how you're supposed to get an oil change for your car? Or how you're supposed to fix a tire? No. God doesn't tell us everything in his word, but he tells us everything we need for life and godliness and how to be pleasing to him. And at the end of the day, when you're standing before the Lord, he's not going to, I doubt, maybe he will, ask about your oil change. Will he ask you what you did with the word that he gave you, with the people in your life that he gave you, with the friends that he gave you, with the life that he gave you? Yes, and what matters most at that time is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? His word. Matthew 5.18 For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, Not an iota, not a dot. You like that up there? That was supposed to be a a Hebrew word, okay? But obviously the fonts didn't pass the test. Will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Do you guys recall when this was said? What are we studying Sunday? The Sermon on the Mount, okay? And when he talks about an iota and a dot, if you look at Hebrew... Okay, and you look at the tiny little points and the tiny little dots and the tiny little curves. Jesus is coming and saying, even the tiniest little, like dotting the I's and crossing the T's, the equivalent in English, okay? They're not going to pass away 
in the written word of God until everything is accomplished. And so Jesus is making the point that his word is inerrant. There are no errors in the original autographs. And he's provided us with multiple copies, even though we don't have the original autographs. We have enough to have 95 to 98% certainty of what the original autograph said. And praise God he didn't keep the original autographs because they would be venerated as they are in synagogues where we would worship the paper that it's written on rather than the word that was spoken from God. Okay? And Jesus comes and says, not even one letter, not even one dot, not even one stroke is going to pass away. It is true. It is without error. Even down to the words and the letters. It is infallible. It will not fail. The word of God is going to do everything that God has promised it would accomplish. It is efficacious. And brothers and sisters, it's complete. We don't need to add to God's word. There's nothing that we can add or take away from it that is going to make God's word or the gospel any better. And for you, that's good news. Why is that? Because your salvation that comes through the gospel and the word of God. No one can add to it or no one can take away from it. If you're a child of God, on your worst day, you are still a child of God, beloved by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. On your worst day, Christ has still died for your sins, past, present, and future. And there's hope there, as there was for David, where you can go to him and say, Lord, I've sinned, I've failed, I've blown it, I've hurt people. I need your forgiveness. I need you to make it right. And there's hope there. Because the gospel is complete. You can't add to it or subtract to it. There's nothing you can do to fix it, but Christ can. He's done it on the cross. And his word is the testimony of that. Can I have my next slide, please? John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them You have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Okay? I'm going to be a little tough with you, okay? Tough love. My wife says that's my specialty. We're hard-pressed to say that we know Jesus if we are not growing and we don't know his word. If someone you love sent you a letter. And you had that letter and all you did was you left it on the mantelpiece and you never read it. If my wife gave me a letter and you showed up at my place and said, Pastor Mark, Julie wrote you a letter and it's there. Oh yeah, she gave it to me around three weeks ago. But I've been really busy with work and the kids have been driving me nuts and you know, there's been a lot of stuff at church and so I really haven't had time to read it. What would you think of Pastor Mark? Hopefully not a whole lot, right? Well, the Lord loves you. And the greatest gift of love that he's given you is his son, Jesus Christ. And his greatest desire is that you would know how great his son is and how much he loves you in and through the life of his son. And so I just want to urge you and exhort you, take every opportunity you can. And that's what Logos is about. Logos is about giving you every opportunity you can to know Jesus through his word. And whatever help you need and whatever skills you need, we want to give them to you and put them at your disposal. But this brings us to Mark 4, 18 and 19. And others 
are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter it and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. What parable does this come from? You have to say it loud for the old man who's hard of hearing. Parable of the sower and the soils, where he goes through different soils and the word is thrown out to all those different soils, but some are fruitful and some, nothing's there. Okay? We struggle and it's going to be a battle for you to spend time in the word on a daily basis. How many of you struggle to be in the word on a daily basis? Raise your hand. Okay, let's be honest. It is hard. Why? Because we're human. God has saved us. We're not perfect yet. That'll happen. Our sanctification is progressive. Okay? And there's a war that goes on in our hearts with our flesh. Would I rather listen to a podcast about the Golden State Warriors? When I'm tired at the end of the day, would I rather watch ESPN for 20 minutes? You're battling your flesh. And it's a battle that we've all fought. But I want to tell you, it's a battle that our Lord and Savior overcame a long time ago. When he goes to be crucified, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and he takes his disciples with him, and he wants that time with them, he loves them dearly, what do the disciples do? They fall asleep. And guess what? I would fall asleep and you would too. He doesn't abandon them. He doesn't say to God, I'm going to die on the cross for these guys? These jokers? No, he still goes and he dies on the cross for them. But he tells them, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you have to know that as we study God's word together, Satan's greatest delight and this world's greatest delight is to distract you to death with good things, your job, important things, so that it can take your eyes off Christ and drive a wedge in your relationship with Christ. And if Satan can drive a wedge between you and your relationship with Christ, he'll do it there and then he'll come for your your spouse and the people in the church and it goes on and on. When guys are struggling, guys, I use that generically, when people are struggling with bitterness and discontent and they come in, they say I'm discouraged and I haven't been treated well in the church here and this has been there and this has been there. One of the things that you know I'm going to ask is how's your time in the word been? And invariably, many times when there's been seasons of discontent, it's not uncommon that there's either unforgiveness of sin or a long season where they haven't been in the Word or both. And Satan has used both of them, okay, to separate you from what matters most, which is the fountain of living waters, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I say this as a warning. Listen, It's going to be a battle. And that's why we need one another and that's why we need Christ to cheer one another on. And times where we come alongside and we say to a brother, hey, how are you doing? How's your time in the Word? I haven't been there. And not to criticize and pick stones and throw up, throw up, throw at them, okay? But to come alongside and say, can I pray for you? Can we read the Word together? Maybe we can do the FOF together because you're having a hard time where we put ourselves out there. But, The word is there as good news, brothers and sisters, because if we're going through a period of time, either ourselves or others who are there where we're stuck, where there's no change, no change, no change, and we're going through this together, the words exposing in our lives what's in our hearts, 
And we do have to ask ourselves, is it the deceitfulness of riches? Is it the worries and cares of other things? Okay. Is it burdens and concerns about good things that have become more important in our lives than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And the good news is Christ is showing us so that we can repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand where the gospel is being proclaimed. And so widely to you all, I think what I'm going to ask is that you do an inventory before you start Logos and think back where you've been over the summer. Have you cherished Christ the way he deserves to be cherished? Have you loved him and have you learned and have you spent time in his word? Okay, and if you have, rejoice. Don't get a big head. You're only there because Christ has done a good work in your life and then he wants you to give that to someone else. If you're not there, praise God, you've got a Savior who is willing to forgive you, but he calls you to repent, to turn, and to put off what has pulled you away from him and anything that separates you and make it a priority to walk with him. And to walk with him is to walk with him in his word. He's never separate from his word. And that means you need to make a confession for him and a commitment and maybe even talk to some other people in your life to make that commitment that his word will be the authority in your life. Not all the list of things that have taken you away. And it's worth noting what it is in your life that takes you away from Christ. One final slide, okay? Well, there's actually two, but there's only one of substance. Can I have this last slide? This is J.C. Ryle. J.C. Ryle says, let us remember our deep responsibility. Let us read our Bibles reverently and diligently with an honest determination to believe and practice all we find in them. It is no light matter how we use this book. Eternal life or death depends on the spirit which it is used. Above all, let us humbly pray for the teaching of the Holy Spirit. He alone can apply truth to our hearts and make us profit by what we read. Brothers and sisters, why did we do Logos? Is it perfect? No, it isn't. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. Are there days when maybe it didn't ring your bell the way you'd hoped it would? Absolutely. But Christ never fails. He's good and he's died for you. And we do Logos because his word is perfect, not ours. And our lives depend upon it. And others will be blessed and saved through it. Okay? My final slide. And it just brings us back to where we began. Okay? Our aim in this endeavor as we gather together is to be pleasing to him. And so I have a request of all of you. That you would pray to the Lord. That he would use each one of you. Because it's not just the pastor and the discipleship group leaders. That he would use each one of you. To be an encouragement to someone else in your Logos group. To keep their eyes fixed on what matters most. Which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'll close our time in prayer. Lord Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. It's worth laboring over. And this year for Logos. I just ask that as a people. Lord you would help us to repent that you would help us to look in our lives at the things that have taken us away from you and rejoice that we have a Savior who loves us and gives forgiveness, 
whose spirit fills us and teaches us and encourages us that we would come to you and that we as a people this year would grow as we walk through the fundamentals of the faith together and that we would be pleasing to you and an encouragement to one another as we run this journey together. In your name we pray, amen.